Hey, gang. I'll tell you what. Welcome to part two of the uh, 12 Steps. This is Chris Tannehill again, I'd hope. Uh, what we did cover previously uh, was step one, uh, an elongated, extended uh, step one. And obviously, that being we admitted we were powerless over whatever our addiction and that our lives had become unmanageable. I noticed that I pursued it to no end because it was a long explanation. Then I also realized that in the, uh, I'll pick on Alcoholics Anonymous for a moment, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, there is an extended section in the instruction, shall we say, in this guide to living, uh, that just covers step one. And there's many reasons for that, but we are stubborn people and we need to get that across. So I noticed that even my explanation, it fell under that. So there's step one. Consider that you've done step one. Perhaps you finished it. Here we are. Now we're moving on. Uh, step two. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. All right, folks, there's a couple things moving in there that scare the crap out of people. Obviously, the power greater than ourselves, and a lot of people miss the uh, restore us to sanity aspect. Uh, what I do like to do is start at the beginning. It says came to believe. It doesn't say uh, believe right now, you know. Um, stand solid, no, no for a fact. No, no, this just came to believe. This is a process, folks. Uh, that power greater than ourselves, you know what? We just need a power greater than you, that's all. Um, you got to understand, for most of us, control was our huge issue. And, you know, actually there's some people out there who believe that God, they are God. And, well, if you've got if you've got the Bill Gates money, I can see how that might, you know, occur. Or if you've got the LeBron James ability, I can see how you might believe that with people telling you that. But uh, you're not God. And I came to believe. Okay, so the process that I'm trying to believe that a power greater than myself. All right, there's something else out there. Well, what I've heard in the rooms of these in these meetings, uh, there's an insufferable little statement. It's like, well, anything can be your higher power. Now, we can talk for a month on this, but I'm not going to. But... This reference to anything can be your higher power. Make a doorknob your God. It's like, you know what? No. no. That's idiotic. It needs to make sense to the person. So a concept of something greater than themselves. Sometimes it's the group. I believed that they believed, and that was all. that's all I needed to get moving, to get started. I was starting to believe that, hey, there's hope here, okay? And the other aspect of that is while I'm struggling to figure out maybe that there's a God, maybe there's something else out there, all I know is there's something out there pushing the grass up all over the planet, and it isn't me. After that, it says, um, could restore us to sanity. That this power, something out there bigger than me can restore me to sanity. That's that's insinuating that I've been insane. We all get tired of the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. But that was my drinking. My drinking was insane. The concepts, the concept of that power being a doorknob is idiotic. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to leave it right there. What we'd like to do is just take a look at the step as a whole. So I'm trying to believe that something bigger is going to restore me. Okay, I hope. Just begin. Keep moving. You've done step one. Here's step two. Because in about a minute here, you're defenseless. And the other thing you don't have is your anesthetic. So anyway, we're going to move to step three. Just, let's just consider and accept the fact that, you know, there's something larger than myself is going to restore me to sanity and that I'm not insane anymore, that I do not want to be. But that's where the alcohol took me. And now that you've even removed the alcohol, guess what? I'm still insane. My decision-making is still terrible. I'm still nuts. And speaking of decisions, let's look at step three. 
made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. You know how many people we lose right here? Um, a squazillion. That's how many we lose in these meetings. The uh, Back to, okay, let's look at the very beginning. Made a decision. Okay, you've got three frogs on a log. Two of them make a decision to jump off. How many you got left? They're all still there. They just made a decision. Nobody's gone anywhere. Okay? Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Your concept. So what's my will? Oh, my God, I've got to turn everything. No, 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 no. Your will? Your, your will is what you think, what you think you want, what you like, what you believe. You know, And I'll tell you what, what you think and what you wanted and what you believed got you loaded to begin with. So, hey, let's turn that over to God. What about my life? Turn my, my will and my life over to the care of God, our lives over to the care of God. What's your life? It's your actions. It's what you're doing day to day. Quit doing stuff, you know, for you, putting you first. You know, I stopped serving myself full-on, full-time after I did this. I started to realize, you know what? That was the other thing. I also started to realize there's other people in these meetings with me. I was astounded, but made a decision to turn my what I thought I wanted and my actions over to the care of God as we understood him. Oh, my Lord, now I'm back to God. Guess what? That's okay. God as I understood him. The God I previously believed in, you know, was punishing, vengeful, was disappointed in Chris. There's a lot of things. I was told I can change that. I thought, wow, that's pretty flippant and arbitrary and whatever. No. What I learned was the God, you know, I needed was the God that I have. So I'm going to turn it over to the care of something else. And I'll tell you what, that's a leap of faith, folks. You know how you get there? You be desperate. And what happens is the understanding follows, and it's okay. I'll tell you what, I didn't do any of this work for 18 years in the programs and in the meetings. I didn't. And I came in and and I went out. And it finally stuck in 2008, July 2008. It finally stuck. You know why? I actually did these steps. And I'll tell you what, it, it was painful. It hurt. But when I got to three, again, I'm relinquishing control here. Well, the illusion of control. I had no control to begin with. The only thing, again, we can control is how we react to our environment. So step two and three, suddenly you start involving God. Here was the easy part for me. I already had a conception and an idea, and I actually believed in something. I was in a mad search for God when I was out there getting loaded. Some people were uh, running from. Others, atheist, agnostic, that's okay. They even have a chapter in the big book called We Agnostics. They acknowledge the fact that, hey, we are not just ready that we just, okay, accept, believe, move in. You know, look, it says came to believe, made a decision. This is a process. We're moving towards something, all right? When I go into any other house of worship, you know, pick a temple, cathedral, anything, what I end up with is people asking me to step in with an absolute yes, no, I'm in. You know, here, this is like come in, start, you know, wade, wade into the shallow end, and we're going to make sure you can tread water before we push you into the deep end, you know? And push you, we will. But, again, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. God as I understood him sucked before. God as I understand him now does not. It's a lot more appealing. And Okay. So, let's say we've, let's say we've accomplished that. Let's say we've done this properly under the care and guidance of a sponsor or another human being we trust. Then we get to step four. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Now, it doesn't say immoral inventory, but I'll tell you what, from all the stuff I wrote down, yeah, it looked kind of scary. But the searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves is something I had never done. I was a student of human behavior. 
I knew everything wrong with you. And if I met you within 30 seconds, uh, you and then you. And you know what? I was a student of everybody but my own human behavior and my own patterns. We're writing this down. We're looking for patterns. We're not only just trying to get out the dark corners and the shame and the horridness and not be alone anymore, but we're also trying to see some of these patterns in here you know, and understand why I do what I do. So I sat down, and this is the first time I put pen to paper. This is the first time you really have to do any um, administrative work. <laughs> you know, do it. Just Start, just begin. They give you a format for that. There's columns, you set it up, you know, uh, my resentment, my grievance, my whom I'm pissed at, who's pissed me off, whatever, you know, and we just go down the list until we find out why, why, why. You know, here's the situation. You know what? In the end, it's a form of fear, and it's a form of fear that might be more specific to you at certain uh, instances, and it might be idiosyncratic. Um, popular with me is a fear of abandonment. You can, you know, pull up 34, 40 situations where that's, that's predominant for me, that fear of abandonment. And you can see it because it's written down and writing it down. It does something for accountability. It does something else for people, uh, internally. I don't understand, but that's part of the human animal. So four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Once I got the nerve up to do that whole thing, uh, astounding, astounding that I could see here's my life. Here's my life on paper, and when you get beyond that, it's uh, – I also wrote down the stuff I wasn't going to tell anybody. What's important for a lot of people is, hi, I'm taking these three things to my grave with me. No one's going to know. And the statement that we're always just – we're only, you're only as sick as your secrets. Guess what? That's the stuff that got used to get me drunk. I'm hanging on to that. You know, two years later, I'm getting loaded, and that is forefront in my mind. You know, what is a resentment? It's to relive something. Well, there's some stuff that my brain would play and I would relive it vividly in front of my eyes without my permission. I think that's a resentment. Point is, I made this inventory and I looked at this list. And this is the other problem. Here's a list of crap. Here's a list of crap you've been involved in, done, or had done to you. And we're just trying to look at what we have done in that aspect and that angle of it. So uh, let's move to five. I've got the inventory. I finished it. And then it says, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. My first reception of that, and uh, when I encountered the step, first thing I thought was, oh my God, they're doing confession. I can't do this. I'll tell you what. I, again, I was desperate enough that, you know, I was willing to do the next indicated step. Uh, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being. I sat down with somebody with that list, that inventory list and went over it. And to my amazement, what happened internally without my permission was the mirror was turned slowly in my direction till suddenly I could see myself that I, stuff I could not see. I could not see. I could see it in you. I could see it in everybody else. I could read people. That was my profession trying to figure out, are you going to help me? Are you going to hurt me? You know, I, I want something. Are you going to help me? Are you going to hurt me? I'm going to read you. Guess what? I could never read me. I could never read Chris. Suddenly, I do this in front of this gentleman and read this out loud. What ended up happening was the mirror turned right directly towards me, and I started to see Chris, and how scary was that? And um, it was breathtaking, but I also had this understanding, and I had some relief that one person had my whole story, good and bad, didn't judge me, just listened to me. Said, yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I understand. And I said a couple of things. I thought, oh, this, this little, this should shock him. You know, this, this should, this should just bury him emotionally. It's like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, done that. <laughs> I was free of some of that, but not all of it. And it's only that's why this is halfway through. But what ended up happening was, 
I did this before him, God, and uh, like I said, the mirror was turned towards me. I had understanding I didn't have before. The understanding followed. Like I said, I sat and I'd read this list to myself repeatedly for like a week, almost two weeks. And I thought, what? how am I going to gain anything? I don't know what happens, but when the human animal interacts with another human animal, something else happens. They say God shows up sometimes. All I know is something happened that I couldn't induce on my own. And wow. And the huge part of this that people don't understand, it's not just like an immoral list. Here's all the bad things. No, no. This is a list of your behavior. This is a list of how you act. We want to see the patterns. You know what that's going to do? That's going to lead us to step six and seven. But that's coming up. So if you give me a second, folks, I'm going to go have a break, a drink of water, and we'll come right back to you. All right? Thank you.